live today on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, friend. I'm Byron Tyler. What a great day to go out and vote. This is Election Day, so if you haven't early voted, go vote. 86 degrees is the current temperature, which is great voting weather, by the way. No rain, plenty of sunshine, low humidity, so make sure you go out. Again, as I said, thank God for the privilege. It's your opportunity to go and cast your vote today. I want to welcome our friends live on Facebook. How are you doing? Glad to have you along. It's been a while since we've had a live Facebook feed. Also want to say a couple happy birthdays as we start off our show today. Dr. Michael Ellis, pastor of Impact Baptist Church Ministries. Happy birthday to you, dear brother Michael. I do appreciate you so much. The contributions that he has made to the spiritual and physical needs to our city, especially in the Fraser community, is just fabulous. Thank you so much, Michael. Happy birthday to you, and I hope your wife, dear Angela, will have a great celebration. And I just thank you so much for all you do and the friendship we have. And another big birthday, Barbara Mamaw Cooper. She's my mother-in-law. Got to say happy birthday to Mamaw. No, I can't tell you a whole she is, but uh, we're going to celebrate tonight. What a dear lady. For many, many years, she was the uh, youth coordinator for Phil Newberry at Bellevue Baptist Church, also worked with Rob Mullins, now pastoring Crossroads. I mean, she's been a go-getter, a supporter. She's dearly loved by so many, but happy birthday, Mamaw. Thank you so much for what you mean to us. Now, before we get into our program and introduce our guest today, who's come a long way, by the way, to be on the show, I want to talk to another friend who's not so far away, but she's in uh, Springfield, Missouri. Mona Stafford is our Bot Radio Network Southwest Regional Manager, and Mona joins us by phone right now. She's traveling somewhere in Springfield, I believe. Mona, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing fantastic, Byron. Thank you for asking me to call in. You gave me the privilege and the opportunity to travel to Israel in June of this year. We had eight incredible days in the Holy Land, and you took me from the Golan Heights to the Israeli-Syrian border down to the Dead Sea and Masada and to the old city of Jerusalem. We went to Caesarea yeah. Philippi. I mean, I can't, we went to so many places. It was incredible. It was the inaugural trip for Bot Radio Network. Well, it was very fast-paced, wasn't it, Byron? I mean, we, we moved fast, and we see it all. We did. It saw so much, and we had the privilege of having a wonderful tour guide, Ruti, who is also an archaeologist by profession. She knows her stuff, so she adds that special flavor and uh, touch to the tour. Plus, we worked with an incredible organization called The Bible Comes to Life with Omer Eschel. What a great organization, uh, The Bible Comes to Life. Well, you know, they they live there, these folks, and so they're right there in Jerusalem. Ruchi Tiva lives in Jerusalem. She's uh, a licensed archaeologist, and so we get to see things and go places where most tourists don't get to go because of those connections. Yeah. For being my first time, you know, I, of course, I have nothing to compare it to, but it was fantastic. What a great, great experience for the first time. But there's some exciting news, Mana. Bot Radio Network is planning a second trip, and we'll be leaving from Chicago on October the 28th. Tell us about this trip. Right, right. Well, this is our second trip. Lord willing, we're planning to do two a year, uh, one in June and one in October of each year. And so our second one is coming up. It's October the 28th. We'll leave out of Chicago. We'll return on November the 6th. And it's the same tour that we did in June, and it's... uh, we cover it all. I mean, we go, like you said, from the Golan Heights clear down to Masada and the Dead Sea and everything in between. And what we've done, Byron, is we have designed this tour to hit all the most important things. I mean, 
we really uh, haven't left anything out. There's no fluff in this tour, no. as you know. And so uh, we hit the road running early in the morning. We're just, we get back late in the evening, and you get to see it all. If you would like to experience some of our highlights, there's a video on BotRadioNetwork.com. On the Israel page, we have a page designated for Israel with videos from Facebook and also photographs. And there's a highlight video that I produced, three minutes long. I invite you to take a look at that, too, and learn more. And there's details about this trip leaving October 28th again through November 6th, coming up soon. So now's the time to go ahead and at least inquire, ask the questions, and make plans to join us, Mana. Well, if anybody would like to talk about it, I'd be happy to talk about it and answer any questions you might have. I'm getting lots of phone calls. The phone number to call is 417-864-0901. That's 417-864-0901. And I will talk to you just as long as we need to talk and answer any questions that you might have about Israel. Okay, Mana. Well, listen, we're excited about it. Thank you so much for just on a spur of the moment joining Bot Radio here in Memphis. Absolutely. I love to talk about Israel anytime, anyplace. All right. Hey, listen, friend, too, thinking about going to Branson now, Mana also is the guru of travels in Branson, and make sure you go to explorebranson.com to learn more details about that, too. Right. ExploreBranson.com. It'll all be right there. All right, Miss Mana. You have a great afternoon, okay? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you, too. All right. Well, as I mentioned, we had a guest today who's traveled a long way to be here. Probably has a little jet lag. I'm not sure. But Abundant Hope International is an organization that we've had in the studio here on Mid-South Viewpoint last year. It's a ministry that has a passion to help Holocaust survivors, especially in Israel. They're based here in the U.S., but are international in scope. Uh, They have partners and volunteers from around the world. AHI is visiting Holocaust survivors. It's hard to know and understand the true scope of the pain, the loneliness, what they're going through emotionally, you know. Susan Hagee's here. Susan, let's just jump right into it. Welcome to the show. Shalom. Shalom. Hello. Welcome <laughs> back to the studio. We were in Israel at the same time. I was yes. there in June. You were there. We were trying to... Mana had me going so fast... I didn't have a chance for us to have stop long enough for us to find a place to meet. And I didn't even have time to get down to wherever you were. <laughs> I don't even know where I was half the time. We were just go, go, go. But it's good to have you here. You're here for, I guess, a couple of months, or how long are you going to be here? I'll be here until the end of September, and then I'll be going back to Israel. But I will be back in November. My son is getting married. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm very excited about that. And that's in Fort Worth. So So mom approves of the new... Absolutely. Jill is a sweetheart, very godly woman. Um, I even told her, I said, you know, you're an answer to prayer for my son. And she looked surprised and said, no, you don't understand. He's an answer to my prayers. Oh, wow. So, yeah, very, very sweet. And uh, I'll see them in a couple days. But because of that, I'll be back here um, in November... I will be speaking a couple places in early November, and I have some spaces open. If anybody wants me for Memphis area, I'll be here. I mean, we shared your story last time. It's incredible. You, a professional businesswoman living in Texas, and God pierces your heart about Israel, and particularly the survivors of the Holocaust. You had a chance to go on a trip and meet some of them. That just melted your heart. It did, and you know, but it only melted my heart because of obedience. Because um, as many people as want to go to Israel, I didn't want to go. I didn't want anything to do with it. But God told me I was to go, and I was 
brought up to understand that you obey authority and God is your ultimate authority. And so I went, but I went as a very angry person, um, which really my story proves how much grace God will give us. I mean, and your way was, if I remember right, your way was actually paid on that yes. first time. So you weren't actually out the airfare or the accommodations when you got there. No, no, I, everything was taken care of, and um, I I had lost my job, and uh, that was part of God's plan, too, I saw later. But <laughs> I went because someone else did pay my way, and I just thought I'd have two weeks of vacation there uh, without God. I thought he'd stay here, but I was very surprised to find out he followed me or he met me. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> I think he shows up everywhere when you go to yes. Israel, you know, from, like I said, from the Golan exactly. Heights to wherever you are in the land, you know, there's so much there as you read your Bible for so many years as a follower of Christ. And then when you go and you see these places and you see the places that Jesus actually walked and where the miracles happened, I remember standing in the excavated remains of Caiaphas's place Yes. And that's where the last hours of Christ's life on earth was standing right there on that floor, you know. It tore me up. I mean, it was quite emotional thinking about, you know. I know our faith doesn't rest on places of rock or stone. I mean, it rests in the Word of God and the message of salvation that Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day. But there is something special, I would say, about being there in, in Israel, experiencing the culture, you know, because it's tied so deeply to our faith. Well, for me, yes, the culture, um, the archaeology, standing in these places, uh, learning and seeing and experiencing the culture is is vital to really understanding our Christian faith. But for me, meet the people. That is what, to me, changes everything. And I tell people, if you're coming over, please come meet the people first. Yeah. Then go see the history. Yeah. So when they come for us. And you talk about meeting people, Susan. I mean, you're talking about meeting some people with some deep scars in their soul. Yes. I mean, some really deep pain. You know, while we were in Israel, didn't go through the Holocaust Museum, but we went to the Children's Holocaust Museum created by the same architect, you know, that designed the Holocaust Museum there. That just wrecked me, too, going through. It was very simply done, but well done. very well done, and the message is so powerful. But over, I think, some 1,500 uh no. 1.5 no, 1. million. Thank you. 1.5 million children, teenagers down, yes. were massacred in the Holocaust. Yes. And I get to hear the stories of how. I get to hear the stories from mothers and from sisters and brothers. I, I get to experience exactly what happened to those children. The Spiegel family, who actually put the finances up, to build the children's portion of the Holocaust Museum there. Of course, they're a very prominent family here in the U.S., I would say, are quite wealthy. But people don't realize the story. They themselves lost their only son. The museum is dedicated to their son. He was probably three years old, I guess, when he was taken away from them. I can't imagine. You know, I've got two granddaughters and three sons, and I can't imagine losing any one of them. But thinking about the horrific way that so many of these that you meet know that they lost their entire families, some of them. 
You know, I, I think the first one that I ever heard um, was a woman named Rayla. And I won't tell you the beginning of, of her story, but she was put, along with all the other mothers from the ghetto, on a train to go to a concentration camp. But just before they got to the train, the babies, the children, were ripped out of their arms and put in different cars. If it was uh, an infant in arms, they just handed it to another child. And now they're separated. Halfway there, they stopped. And they don't know what's going on. After a while, the soldiers tell them, look out the slats over here on the left side. All the mothers go to the left side, and all their children are lined up all along, and they shot them. She saw her three children murdered. At that point, she wanted to give up. She said, I have nothing to live for. I don't know if my husband's alive anymore. I want to die. She was taken to one camp and another and another. She lived through, even though she didn't want to. After the war, she found her husband, and they had two more children, both boys. She never had another daughter. But one of the women who is in charge, the woman who's in charge of our adoption program, Nancy, Nancy adopted her, which means she writes to her. And when she went to see Rayla, Rayla wrapped her arms around her after receiving letters and said, thank you, God, for giving me back a daughter. Wow. That's the power of this program. Yeah. It gives them family that they lost. It replaces family with the people who care enough to write and pray for the survivors. You know, Susan, if it's not enough to have to live with the the nightmares i'm sure so many still have uh the emotional grief and the pain uh the the, you know just the the pain of thinking about all of that past israel as a country is not able to provide totally for the needs of their senior adults especially those holocaust survivors because their finances primarily go to their military support. They have to survive. They're defending for their lives, you know, as a nation. 65 to 70 percent of their budget is for defense of their country. Yes. Now, if you can imagine trying to run an entire country, 30 percent of all your monies, and it's 8.2 million people there, and over 1 million are elderly. They can't. It's not that they don't want. They do the best they can. But they need people like us, everyone who will come in and provide free services, which is what we do. And those services include just what? Well, first of all, when we meet a survivor, we, um, we get to know them. We ask them literally, tell us a little bit about yourself. Many of them don't want to talk about the war, and it's okay. We are not there to pull this no. out of them. We're there to give them what's needed and to give them honor. So we find out, do they need any work done in their home, uh, painting or repairs or plumbing or whatever, and we will do that. Um, we find out if they would like someone to write to them, and we put them right into the adoption program so they can receive letters, which we translate into whatever their language is, and we deliver. We give them birthday flowers for their birthday. We also uh, do programs for the ones who can get out. There are ones who cannot. We'll either do musical concerts or we do programs uh, like we made up this marketplace where they get to come and buy with Monopoly money uh, things that we provide. They have a great time. It's going to be fun. Uh, Yeah. Is that in shekels? 
Uh, no, it's in Monopoly dollars. Oh, Monopoly dollars, okay. <laughs> but they, it's funny because they always ask afterward, I have some left. Can I use this at the store? It's like, no. <laughs> Don't try that. So we do yeah. different things. But one of the, the really special things to me, um, we bring music in. We bring musicians. Um, and we're always looking for more musicians. But what about those who can't come to a concert, who can't leave their home anymore? We take musicians to them to do a personal concert for them in their home. Wow. And this has probably been the biggest impact. You brought me a guitarist. You brought me a pianist. We have a piano that was purchased for us, an electric piano, portable, um, by a couple in Holland. She comes and does free pedicures. Uh, Her husband, Utz, is actually running everything for me in Israel right now and even moving our house for me while I'm here. And they um, they collected money from a variety of people, and the people of Holland paid for this piano. So now we use this for musicians. Wow. And the last musicians we had were from uh, India. And so they're believers, and they sang all these songs. It was all praise and worship songs, but it's in Hindu. So... The people loved it. You know, it's like culture. You bring us culture. We do whatever it is that, that's needed. Uh, we have even connected survivors who sisters who didn't get to see each other because they were in different cities. So you pick one up and take them to the other. My goodness. Whatever is needed. Yeah. And we just meet that need. Glasses. We've had, we just had an eyeglass clinic. Free eyeglasses for them. Whatever God provides, we will do. Susan, survivors are dying at a rate of one every 30 minutes in Israel. That's correct. They're passing on quickly. They are. There's 189,000 of them in Israel just from the camps and ghettos. That doesn't include the refugees. But consider one every 30 minutes. 15 to 20 years, no one will be left. Yeah. Well, an opportunity to, again, love and show the compassion and I know your heart is motivated by Yeshua, Messiah. Are there opportunities sometimes, I know you don't forcefully, but are there opportunities at times to be able to share your faith and why you do what you do? Um, well, it's very easy for them to tell them who I am because uh, we don't use the word Christian. Christian equals Nazi. And so all the Nazis told them we are Christians and we're killing your parents in the name of Jesus Christ. So why would they want anything to do with a Christian? They don't. So we are believers. Well, then they ask, well, what do you believe? So I tell them what I believe. Right? By telling them what I believe, they know exactly who we are, what we represent, who Yeshua is. And that gives them the opportunity then to ask questions if they want. Now, when they ask us questions, yes, we will answer them, certainly. But we are not – we don't force anything because it, here's what happened. When I got into Israel – you know, the angry person who didn't want to be there. And I'm just telling God, all right, I'm here. Now what? You know, and he's telling me what to do, literally. And with that, he told me, I don't want you to tell them about me. And I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding. What are you talking about? And he said, no, I want to do it. Well, I didn't even understand that concept. How could God talk to people? Even though I'm having a conversation with him right then there, how could he talk to anybody else? And I, again, obeyed what he said.
But he explained it to me a little more. He said, you are the plow. I'm giving you the plow. They have stony hearts from the trauma from their life. I want you to plow up their stony hearts with love, unconditional love. I can then give them a heart of flesh. I am not giving you seed, water, gardening tools, reaping tools, nothing. I'm only giving you the plow. So for 14 years, we've been plowing. And we have seen where God has gone in and spoken to them without us and sent other people to them. We just went to see a woman, uh, Fiana. Fiana has Parkinson's disease. She's a sweet, sweet lady. But we asked her if we could pray for her. And we already knew that there's a woman that we don't know who it is that came to see her on a regular basis and told her about Yeshua. had nothing to do with us. But we always would ask her if we could pray. So we began to pray in Russian, and she goes, ah! Bog, Bog, which is God, God. Oh, yes, I love Bog so much. This is a woman, when we met her, didn't want to talk about him. So we see what God does. And I'm running into more and more and more of them who begin the conversation. Rabbi Yeshua, I know who he is. This is obedience to God. He fulfills the plan. We can't do it. And I know that success, 100% success, comes when you follow God's plan. That's being directed by the Holy Spirit. Yes. And allowing him, again, to do what only he can do. That's right. Using us what we can do. But, again, it's him ultimately touching the heart. This is incredible. Hey, before we wrap up the show, we don't have a whole lot of time left. There's things I want to cover, too. God has blessed you with a a house, a place to work (laughs) out of. People, when they come, they have a place to stay as they minister and serve the needs of the survivors. That is correct. Yep. We have a new house. I left the old house, and I'll go into a new one when I go back. I don't even have to move. That's correct. Um, When volunteers come, they stay with us, and they go out with us to see the survivors. We also make sure that they get to tour the local area around us. And you get to live among the Israelis. You're not living in a hotel. You're living in the house. And you go get the mail, and you help us go to the post office and go grocery shopping where you can't read any of the labels. (laughs) And, yes, it's a great opportunity, but you get to meet the people. Yeah. You know, I remember years ago when I was in college, I traveled to Europe, and I spent my summer in Austria with an organization. And I remember it was traveling and sleeping in a barn or church pew or going to those places where you met the people that made the whole time just so worth it, you know, invaluable lessons that are there. Uh, incredible opportunities. Okay, tell you what, now, if folks want information, if they want to know more about Abundant Hope International in Jerusalem, how could... Yeah, in Akko. Where? Akko. Akko. Uh, yeah, we're in Akko. You're not in Jerusalem. No, we're not. Forgive me. Okay, so tell me where Akko is. Akko is above Haifa. We are right on the Mediterranean. It's a five-minute walk from our door to the Mediterranean. So you can see here it's aqueducts from there. Basically, we yes. saw those. Akko is the oldest seaport in the world, between five and seven thousand years old. Wow, I didn't realize that. It's fascinating. Okay, so if folks want to know more details, I guess the website would be a great place yes. to stop. Yes, yes. www.ahi-il.org. Okay. 
and you go there, and there's a lot on there. It'll take you a long time to read all of it. You also have a Facebook page. We are talking to our Facebook yes. friends, too, and I want to say welcome to the Abundant Hope International Facebook followers here. We've got uh, your star. You know, she's right here with us. So good to have Susan Hagee here in Memphis. A treat uh, for me as we met last time. Our dear friend uh, Susan Miller from Brit Hadashah Messianic Jewish Congregation, just around the corner from the office here. You know, the Jewish Community Center here in the city is just across the street from my office, and it plow towers behind several, I don't know how many remaining Holocaust survivors. Uh, Nina Katz was a dearly loved lady in our community who was a survivor. She's been in the studio right where you're sitting in the past. She's passed wow. now. She gave back to the city in so many ways. But anyway, it's so good to have you here, Susan, as always. And I hope our friends uh, on Facebook and on Bot Radio Network listening on AM640 and FM100.7 will pray for you. There's ways that they can give financially or come and volunteer and do some of this uh, maintenance type work and help support and love only survivors in please, Yeshua's name. Please come. We need you. Yes. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 